I can't read my own writing. I wrote it down. It looks like <laughs> Musk. How, oh, music, music. Oh. Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. Good afternoon, everybody. It is, uh, you know what? It, it really is difficult to figure out what day it is during COVID. It's Tuesday, July 7th. <laughs> Belated birthday shout out to my homie, Troy Beaupre. It was his birthday yesterday. Uh, got T-Bone. T-Bone is, uh, I don't know. Guys don't care. He's 44. He's 44. Doing good, looking good. We had breakfast together. Anyway, he's always a week before my birthday, so I can never forget his. So happy birthday to Troy. Pierre, how are we doing? Yeah. We are great. Uh, I've been spending the last 72 hours on my bike, on my loser cruiser, all uh, over the city. Let me stop you right there. On Sunday, okay. were you okay. on the parkway in a dark basketball jersey, shorts, no helmet, glasses, suntan flowing in the wind going through traffic um and when you were doing so was there a big white dude in a truck honking like a douche trying to wave you down and you didn't pay attention and rolled right by is that uh, is that right pretty sure it is uh if, if i was going westbound i had my earphones on too, oh yeah so. <laughs> yeah you were westbound yeah, uh, passing uh, island park and I was yeah, at the lights, very possible. turning left to go to Kurtz, and I'm like, "There's Pep," and I was honking and honking. People are looking at me like I'm crazy, and you didn't even like flinch in my direction. Sorry, pal. No, that's uh, all right. I had the kids say, the "Zone." Do, do, is that, zone that was that actually Pierre? Because he didn't say anything to you, Dad. I'm like, "No, it's true." It's. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, anyway. I'm not sure if you, either of you have been on uh, the Parkway. They closed down the Parkway on. Uh, I think Saturday and Sundays, and this is going to continue until September. It's a project. Uh, it's a pilot project. I know Sundays was a guarantee. They were do they've been doing that for a couple of years, but adding this extra Saturday during the the, the COVID time has been uh, for a guy like me who loves to bike. You know, you don't have to worry about traffic in both directions. You can bike in both directions on the uh, Sir John A. McDonald Parkway. It's so relaxing and. Uh, I just love going on my bike. I, I started biking to work a couple of summers ago, and it's been great. So, yeah, I really should wear a helmet, though. Yes. I was going to say um, that. Yeah. It's like, he's not wearing a helmet. Oh, oh, oh. I, I, like, I know I haven't been introduced yet, but you throwing down, you seriously don't wear a helmet? Uh, look, I, I, have no, I have no rational excuse. I couldn't even give you an, an argument that it could you be. You in the hospital, dog. Uh, oh, oh, man. I, I'm I'm, this is embarrassing. I All am right. embarrassed. I'm ashamed. As well I'm you ashamed. should be. But now, introduce our guest. Okay, well, on that note, I am going to wear a helmet. Thanks to our next guest. I, I am so excited uh, to have you on the show. I've been thinking about it for months. So is Brock. And, uh, you know, uh, tying in with your last uh, interview on CBC, I said, okay, now we really got to get this guy in because you were kind enough to plug our podcast uh, during that uh, 16 or 17-minute piece. with. Uh, there was another person on that show as well. Um, I'll, maybe you can you can mention her after I introduce you. But we have on the show one of Ottawa's best doctors. Um, you work in palliative and intensive care, if I'm not mistaken, for the Montfort as well as the Ottawa Hospital. Dr. Quadwo Karamantang, did I pronounce that correctly? Please say yes. 
You're killing it. You're killing it. The first name's pronounced Quajo, but Quajo. Uh, but the DW is like a J. It's a horrible name, but uh, you know, it's proper though. And then uh, yeah, Caraman. You killed the last name though, Caraman Tan. Hey, coming coming from somebody with the. That's good because if you'd asked me, oh, yeah. there's not a chance I could figure. That. I can't even pronounce my own name. <laughs> coming from somebody with a with a last name that starts with a K, that can be a little bit difficult to pronounce. I feel you. Um, so proud to have you on, uh, glad and happy and excited because your podcast, the, uh, solving healthcare with, uh, Quadro Caramenting, uh, is not only is entertaining, but it's informative and, uh, it's, it's a generally a, a very positive. You've touched upon so many different topics in the short amount of time that you've been doing this. Uh, I'm not sure. We're, Brock, we're recording this, right? This will be on the YouTube yeah, we're recording it. What do you think we're doing? Brock? Yes. <laughs> yes, we're recording it, Pierre. Uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, I am on the Quebec side, so my Wi-Fi is a little choppy sometimes. That's just the way it's going to be. But the Dr. K, if you want to just sort of, I don't know, maybe lift yourself up like a, a half a half a foot so we can see your swag. That's oh, nice. the healthcare. I, I got a banner white, this thing. Or banner yeah. Black. Oh, yeah. Brock, cue the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. It's a nice oh, looking shirt. Is that uh, navy blue? Uh, no, it's black. black. But, beautiful. Uh, beautiful. Thank you, guys. Can I just say I'm really hyped to be on this show? Like, you guys have the dream show, man. We got to talk about sports, a little bit of politicking, if we will. But and then your bo your buddies, so then you know you can't insult each other too harshly. I just I, I'm jealous. But like, thanks for having me, guys. Oh, anytime. And uh, you know, we're it's funny, Brock. Like Brock and I are. Uh, it's it's called the unsportsmanlike convo. It's catchy, unsportsmanlike conduct, all that good stuff. But we rarely disagree. It's it's we're looking for things to disagree disagree on just to, so the show title makes sense. But anyway, <laughs> it's it's a catchy uh, catchy name. You, Doctor K. Can I call you Doctor K? You can call me whatever you want. Dr. K. Except for Lucille. Uh, oh, <laughs> okay, sounds good. Your <laughs> wife is Cat. Have I met Catherine? Your yeah, I met Kathy. Uh, she might have actually, you may have, she was working at the auto hospital for a year and we were good life members. So she might, you might have met her maybe once or twice because uh, she was going to use that gym at the general. But, um, but yeah, maybe once. Okay, okay. I'd love to meet her sometime. You have three boys. Oh, man. Teddy, Zeke, and Marlo. Uh, I, I'm going to, just based on the photograph I saw on a clip on CBC, Teddy's seven. Yeah. Zeke is two. That's right. And Marlo's five. Absolutely. Boom. Bam. Nailed Beautiful. it. Uh, how, yeah. how have you managed to balance, uh, especially since March when all of us went on lockdown, uh, how have you been able to manage? work and watching the kids or how, like both of you has, has there been do you have you had outside help from the fam or oh my god so thanks for asking that question because like now i can give some credit where credit is due my friend because <laughs> um number one at work and at home i got a i got an amazing team so kathy she is a queen bee she runs the show we have hired help at home as well at the beginning of the pandemic, my mother-in-law was actually staying with us. So we really had a lot of help, which was like a huge relief. Like they, then you could focus on work. You know what I mean? Like you were less anxious about, 
all the stuff that you're being inundated with. So honestly, they they are without like Kathy being the quarterback of our house and our life. <laughs> I would not be here right now for sure. Um, and then honestly, even at work, like <laughs> at work, like even with our podcast. Uh, we have like almost 20, 20 volunteers to help out with production of that. So that's been amazing. And then my research team, so kind, man. They've been just really carrying the weight. Laura Thompson, if you're listening, just shout out to your help that you've given for the past year. Um, so really, I've been blessed with a, a great team. And um, without that, for sure, I wouldn't have time for all this stuff, buddy. That's amazing. That's, I took a, 20 volunteers. That's amazing. Oh, it's funny. I was doing it all by myself, and then I did a. I reached out on an email or a, or a Facebook message. I'm like, "Does anybody want to help out with stuff?" And so then all these like med students were like, "Yeah, let's represent right now." And so like my show notes, that's like a group of four. So I haven't posted something on social media in about three months. <laughs> yeah, you know that's I mean? real. amazing. All, all, all there. Shout out to Julia Hajar. Thanks for taking the lead with that. Um, you too. And, um, <laughs> yeah, man, like, it's all about, I mean, I don't want to uh, digress too much, but one of the keys in life, honestly, is just if you could delegate stuff and really, like, stay high level and realize how much needs to be under your skin and how much could be uh, delegated off, it's such a huge, like, life hack. Like, for sure, I wouldn't be where I, where I am today if I wasn't... Um, liberal at uh you know giving off some of those responsibilities buddy hey shout out to all those med students if any of you med students feel like you're being slighted and you don't really get the attention you deserve or you're like oh, i wanted to be on that project but there's just not enough for everybody hit up the doc he might he might know a show that can use some help anyway all right <laughs> yeah. oh, <okay. laughs> hey now's the time to shout out any other shout outs you want to give now like yeah floor is yours rate. Oh, yeah. oh shout go. out to some fans oh, in Red Deer, Alberta. I just made that up. I don't know if there's anybody listening in Red Deer, Alberta. Um, <laughs> honestly, though, my mother-in-law, especially in the height of the pandemic, was massive. March, I just want to give you some love. Um, and just like the, the staff at the TOH and at Montfort during the height of the pandemic, like honestly, guys, like it was scary. Like when, when we started seeing some COVID cases and, you know, you saw what was happening in New York and Washington State at the time and like we don't know we we didn't know what to expect again we heard all these like healthcare providers were getting sick and so like that was scary but I gotta tell you I was never so proud to be part of a team you know because everyone stepped up they knew what was at at stake and you know there was no wavering there was like you know a sick person comes in with COVID when it, when they wheel through the door all the focus is there there's no Hey, you know, um, you know, um, it was just a lot of focus on what was in front of us, and then having that community rally behind you—I've never experienced something like that before, ever. And um, it was, it was incredible. Um, and so, sorry guys, that's for some reason my my uh, <laughs> my uh, Google Home is ringing. I've never no go. Yeah. This could be this could be important. I mean, he's a doctor. Hey, Pep, this yeah. is episode hey. sixty. You know that, right? Is it number sixty? This is number sixty. We got Doctor wow. K on for episode sixty six zero of the UC 
is underway. That's awesome. It's I, I keep uh, I keep getting memories on my Facebook page about you know obviously when we every time we launch a, a podcast we uh, we do a little write up, <coughs> and uh, I keep getting the uh, the uh, the memories coming up and I'm, I'm I've lost track. So, uh, Doctor K, we're at episode I'm sixty, old, pal. You sixty? It's just sixty. Yeah. Hey, so 60. you are baby. That's what I know. Fifties what golden anniversary? What's the sixty? Uh, <laughs> Ruby. Let's we'll just call it Ruby. Ruby. Yeah. It's a, uh, sure. I like go or crystal. Crystal, crystal sounds great. <laughs> yeah, uh, for can, a stripper. Back to Toh, just just to wrap that up before we uh, we go on to some uh, some other things. Um, I, I can't. I echo your sentiments. I f- I feel that the hospital, its staff, our community as a whole, I think has done a really good job. But uh, I I'm so proud to work at the Ottawa Hospital. Um, am I am I a health professional? No, but I've been in the building for 16 years and I've met some amazing people in fact you were one of the first people i ever met in the hospital when i first started working i think i was at the civic initially um doing some personal training and i remember meeting you and i thought to myself this guy has it he's got just a humble nice guy um and i i'm, I'm not surprised you are where you are right now and uh you know doing doing what you do and helping helping people helping people live and you've saved countless amount of lives i'm sure uh, are you on, uh, on the research side at all too yeah big time For, but before uh after that pep i just want to say uh like i i remember meeting you and immediately had like this bond like i'm like we understand each other like mm-hmm. the value of being fit and like i could see that you had a, like a bit of a comical side too there was always that kind of sly little grin with with stuff that was going on like <laughs> So, like, I, I just want to echo that. The other thing that I want to say is when it comes to, you know, the value, like we're all at the Ottawa Hospital, wherever, we're a big team. One of the biggest contributors to being able to combat COVID-19 is to being fit. I don't care what anybody says. When we saw those patients come through, diabetes, hypertension, obesity, right? Uh, aside from being, like, uh, old and vulnerable. So, like, stuff that you're doing to try and promote fitness not only from a mental perspective, but also from getting like your best chances of combating COVID-19, that is real, okay? And, I, and I'm saying this as from stuff that we've seen, that stuff in the research, like this is the opportunity, people. You know, you, you phone up Pep and say like, yo, you know what, you wanna go for a run, you wanna go for the, a bike on the, the, the parkway. Sir there. John A. McDonald Parkway. Yeah, exactly, but wearing a helmet. Bring me a helmet. We're wearing a helmet. Otherwise, you see me in the ICU. Um, but yeah, man, I just got to give you that plug, man, for real. Uh, and then getting back to the research, like uh, our whole um, research research program is on how we could save healthcare dollars. That's like the, been uh, the main objective. And I've been focusing on ICU and palliative care because that's my, my world. But um, like people have no idea how much it costs to be in the intensive care unit. Like, if I were to say, um, how much do you think, like, say your grandma or, or elderly person gets transferred to the ICU from an old age home, how much do you think that costs per day, if you were to guess, the system? Oh. oh. Just, uh, a, just, just per day, just one. 500 bucks? 1,000 bucks. $3,000. Wow. Just from walking in the door, man. That is- and, 
and 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 so one percent of your gross domestic product goes to taking care of like critically ill patients. And our whole point of view is there's a lot of people that come in that don't benefit from that, right? Like they're because they're older, because they've have multiple comorbidities. And um, so they go through these ICU admissions and don't and they don't have a, a positive result. And we spend millions on these cases. And so that was one of the areas that we do research on. I won't bore you with that stuff, but the short version is our goal is just how can we save money and improve quality of care? Yeah, that's big. Therein lies the challenge. Yeah, no kidding. Um, wow. You know, and just just keep doing what you do because uh, we're all so proud of you. I'm super proud. Every time I see you on CTV or CBC, I'm like, uh, whoever I'm sitting beside, which is usually nobody, but uh, or I'll just, <laughs> so I'll just talk to myself. But uh, I just say I know that guy, and I'm proud to know that guy. And um, you're very informative, but you, you have a positive spin on things. And I think you've calmed the masses probably better than. Uh, most people have. And a shout out to Dr. Vera Etches, too. I think she's just done a phenomenal job. You know, the criticism coming from all angles, and she's handled it like a real pro. Yeah, she is, uh, she's been very um, informative and has kept it real. In fact, we've been trying to get her on the show. So, Vera, are you, are you checking this out? If you're listening now, <laughs> jump on that Solvent Healthcare train. We love to hear from you. I want to. Before we get into some sports, uh, you know, I'm I'm so ex- I'm excited to, and Brock is also excited to ask you some questions about sports and COVID, and you know, leagues are, are planning to start up. But I did want to mention one thing I, as I was doing a little bit of research on you in the last couple of days. Um, I came across an article uh, published by CBC on June 9th, uh, where you discuss some of your experiences with racism and uh, how you understand the inevitability of your boys having to unfortunately probably experience that same racism when they get a little older. Um, you talk about encounters with police uh, and a few moments uh, during your academic career uh, where you'd have to deal with the occasional slight and how those moments would stack up and um, just have an effect on you. Uh, before we go into the fun stuff, I'm just curious, what advice would you have or what would you give to a visible minority who's listening right now who aspires to be a doctor, nurse, teacher, a professional athlete, maybe an entrepreneur, government employee, retail clerk, coffee shop owner, whatever? What advice do you have for them? Yeah, uh, thanks for bringing that up. But um, I would say this, you know, my dad, when I was about 14, sat me down when I, I got came home with what I thought was great marks, like, a, you know, A minus average from, you know, B, B plus. I thought I was making some headway and he was frustrated. And he was telling me, he's like, he's like, mediocre is not going to cut it. Okay. Like you're look at the color of your skin. Okay. You are, you have to put in that extra mile. You're going to have to prove yourself. You're going to have to make sure they can't say no to you when you, when you appear at their doorstep. Because if you have the exact same application as a John Smith and your name is Quadro Karamantang, who do you think they're going to take? And it was, you know, it was a lesson I, you, you kind of knew in the back of your mind, but I'll never forget, like, him throwing down like that and the emphasis and the, the hurt in his voice. And, you know, in terms of my advice is is the same thing. I hate to say it, it's 2020. And I still, as a, as a guy that's 
got the credentials and um, you know the education, I've still, in my opinion, had to go uphill. I've had to do more steps than my colleagues and um, anticipate that. And the other thing I would say though is at the end of the day, when you come up on top, you're gonna be a warrior. You're gonna be strong. You're gonna, they, they won't be able to touch you because of that amount of grit and resilience that you've created for yourself. And so I would say, you know, be prepared, want it, hustle, it's worth it in the end. Um, but, and the other thing I would say that's worked for me and everyone's different, I'm not a psychologist, um, but use that angle. When, when you see that George Floyd bullshit, when you see that any uh, oppression, like use that as fuel. Cause I'll tell you, I use that, that as fuel. You, you tell me, okay, um, you're not gonna get into med school or I don't think you're good enough to get into med school. I'm like, I'll show you this shit, okay? You tell me this research I'm doing is not real research cause we're looking at cost. I'm like, I'll prove this shit to you, all right? You're gonna say this doc, this podcast idea is ridiculous. Who's gonna listen to? I'm like, okay, all right, let's see what happens. Okay, let's see what uh, goodness comes out of this. And just use that as fuel. You know, and I, like I said, I'm not a psychologist, but it certainly has worked for me to say, like, at the end of the day, to look back and I said, I told you so, you know. Um, but I'm not sure I answered that question directly, but certainly that's the advice I'll be telling my kids when they come to, uh, you know, come of age. I think that's great advice. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. and, you know, it's it's along the lines. We, we talk sports here all the time, but that that mentality of using it for fuel and, and proving people and naysayers wrong. That's, you know, something that's very uh, home to athletes in general as well. That's that, you know, you always constantly trying to prove when, you know, in the athletic and the sports world, that is a lot of visible oh. minorities. And, and so they have that, that mindset as well. And, and um, you know, use that to the best of their advantage. But I, I think that's great advice. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, again, we're not we're not a political uh, podcast. We rarely go there. We don't you know, but um, I feel I feel in Canada, racism certainly does exist. Uh, we, I, we may be a little bit better supported, though, is how I feel about Canada in, uh, versus our uh, neighbors to the south, for example, uh, where the leader leaders seem to be more divisive than they are bringing people together. So that's that's where the two countries right now, as we stand, that's where they differ. We differ is our, our leadership seems to be a bit more like, you know, rally. Let's rally everybody together and get through this. Whereas, uh, you know, like I said, in our neighbors to the south, this seems to be a little bit more divisive from the top down. But uh, anyway, I, I, what a great answer. And that's exactly what I, I, I wouldn't have expected anything less. That's just exactly what I wanted to hear. But we want to know a little bit more about your sports side. And um we have broadcast some questions. We have some clips for you, but I have a question for you, pal. Yes. Um, what is your favorite sport to play? To play? Yeah. Oh, for sure, it's hockey. Like uh, I, I played since I was four years old. I've uh, grew up in Edmonton, so like I, I grew up during like we're all the same age, roughly the same age. Uh, I grew up during uh, the cup runs of the eighties, and um, and so this this was everything so i i mean i mean like if you think even if you take a step back like what a game right like you are uh you got 
the athletic abilities, you got the speed, you got the the physicality. Like you seen all those cup runs where you need the big brawn uh, L.A. Kings of the world to to grind the team down. You got the finesse teams like you know the the Penguins. Like it's so beautiful. Oh, uh, I agree. Um, but I, Brock and I have had this discussion as well about. Hockey being the one sport that hasn't it hasn't adjusted to the size of the athlete. Oh yeah, we, 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 there oh. he is. Oh, there thought, he is. I thought we were going to have the discussion again, Pep, without him. Oh yeah, did you did you notice that, Doctor K, that your screen froze? Yeah, but I was talking so much that I wasn't even like I don't <laughs> even I was looking up in the air and then I looked down. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if they caught any of that. Well, but, let, uh, let me let me rephrase then. Uh, you mentioned hockey, and uh, you you make a great point actually about it being a beautiful game. But the game has certainly changed over the last uh, twenty years. Um, I find hockey personally, and I think Brock, you agree with me. Actually, Brock, you mentioned this a, a little while ago that the athlete in hockey, the, the the sport has become almost too fast, and the players are too big and too strong for the ice surface. Mm. It's it's, and you know, if you look at basketball, the net hasn't changed. Uh, you know, with the football, the, the football field really hasn't changed. But hockey is the only sport where you're wearing equipment that make you faster, stronger, and bigger. So the nets now are like, you got to be a real sniper to put the puck in the net, as far as I'm concerned. Has the game, in your eyes, changed? But would you agree with us that perhaps the ice surface and some of the equipment hasn't uh, been kept up to speed with the the, uh, the player? Well, Dr. K yeah, is the perfect guy to ask this to because if you grew up in Edmonton and you were a big fan of all those 80s, 90s cup runs, which was yeah. Wayne and those Oilers, and we had the conversation of Wayne and being you know where he is in terms of the scoring and, and so much far advanced, but then we talk about like the player like a Sidney Crosby versus a Wayne Gretzky and the, the way the games change. So you've seen it all, and you were there, and, and you obviously were very impacted as a child watching those those runs now when you look back and you see a Wayne Gretzky's goals and stuff like what's your feeling on that you're kind of like whoa it's yeah I think we all see the same thing like much slower look at the goalie pads like look at Ed, like uh even look at um Patrick Waugh early in his career like there's so much net to shoot at yeah you know what I mean like I would get 23 goals in that in that era I think <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. put me on the uh, on the third line um yeah, it's definitely I not to be all on the same page, but I do agree it's almost too fast. And like the, I actually think the league has gotten smaller, significantly smaller. Like you couldn't get away with a 5'11 defenseman uh 15 years ago or whatever. Um like you got the uh the Marners of the world, like there's so much the, the players are so much smaller because they are trying to create a faster game. And it's in some ways it's it's definitely more dangerous um, because you have less time to make decisions. Like everything's on a, on a dime, like, you know what I mean? And so like, um, but in some ways I, you know, I, I see those games on that bigger ice surface and it's just like, Holy cow. Like they got eight minutes to make a decision. And, and like the game seems to be less, like there seems to be less scoring as well. So I'm not sure exactly what the answer is, but I, I do agree that it seems that the game is almost too too fast to a fault to a fault. Um, but yeah, I I, I, to I definitely see where you're coming from. 
I think that I personally think that it's it's a simple fix. International ice seems to be a really entertaining form of hockey, and when the you know the Olympics is for me is some of the best hockey around. Uh, so international ice for me would would fix one issue, um, a little bit more room to pass, room to skate, room to show off your skills, and they've got to do they've just got to do something with the, with the goalies and the nets. Yeah. I mean the goal the guys. So you talk about the players getting smaller, but the goalies have gotten bigger. There's like. Freddie Anderson is six eight, six seven. Yeah, he's huge, and that's without skates. He's listed as six eight or six seven. I mean, imagine is him he? on skates. All he has to do is go down on his knees, and he's co- he's covering the whole net. So, and Man. these guys are so p- positionally sound. They're so well coached. It's not like the days like Yajil Malush and some of those guys, Steve Penny. I mean, like I can't skate, and I could have scored on Steve Penny. So <laughs> I, I I know what you're saying. It's. Uh, is, but is hockey also your favorite sport to watch? I asked what to play, but... Uh, to watch is probably NFL football. And and the reason... Like, NHL hockey, when you got your team, is, is for me, is easy to watch. But if you ask me to watch New Jersey versus Islanders, like, mid-season, I'm not watching that game. Whereas NFL season, I, I, don't, I almost don't care who's playing. Because this, I got... I, I mean... I, I'm about to get excited. This is so, there's so much beautifulness to the NFL football. Not only the athleticism, not only the execution when you need it. But actually, I think one of my favorite parts of the game is the fact that coaching can directly impact the game, like at a, like at another level. Like your play call in the moment is everything. You know what I mean? Like. I'll give you two examples. One would be the um, the uh, fourth down uh, Philly against New England um, a Philly special. I think they call it the Philly special, yeah. where um, Trey Burton. Yeah, Foles. Yeah, Foles caught caught the touchdown pass. That was fourth down in the motherfucking sorry in the Super Bowl. <laughs> man. Fourth down in the Super Bowl yeah. against the Patriots. Like that is ballsy. And but then. That's- the other one that people, I don't know if this is too nuanced, but the Super Bowl against Seattle, where they chose, uh, they didn't go to Lynch on the mm. on the one yard line when uh, out the they, Butler. Yeah, exactly. I made him a lot of money. Absolutely, Ugh. but the thing yeah. that was the most genius part of that that people don't talk about enough, Belichick didn't call a timeout. He had room, like he should have called a timeout on paper. Right, because you wanted to leave some room for um, some time for his team to get possession of the ball. But if you watch one of the documentaries, he was saying like there was something not right about what was going on with Seattle. They were looked disorganized. They they were coming in and out of the huddle. They, they and he didn't want to let them off the hook. And his whole coaching staff's going like, you don't want to call timeout. 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 Brilliant. Brilliant. Like <clears throat> to rely on your intuition like that. And and like Butler, apparently they practiced that. They knew that play call, oh, yeah. by the way. Yeah. But they they practiced that a, a half, like a dozen times at, at uh and he got burnt at practice about three exactly. or four times because he would go around the receiver and try and get in front instead of being aggressive enough and cutting it off. And so he was coached up during that practice of like this is why you're getting your ass whooped. 
And then in the Super Bowl, just happened to time right up, and he didn't even hesitate. So they, they, they prepared for it. He knew it was coming. It was amazing. Well, well, if we're on the topic of Super Bowl plays that were practiced. <clears throat> so we, we should may, take a break maybe right now? <laughs> what? Let's what Steeler uh, is this? Let's just rewind to the 2008 Super Bowl when James Harrison picked off Kurt <laughs> Warner and took it to the house. Well, they practiced all week. Uh, if a defense, uh, somebody on defense gets an interception, everybody hightail it forward and look for someone to hit. And now there were a couple of blocks during that run back that are illegal now in today's game. Oh. Uh, Brock, you could probably uh, specify what kind of block I'm talking about. It's a crack a back block. If crack, you're we hit to the shoulder or something like that. No, it's a now the the blocks. If it's angle of blocks, so if you're blocking back towards your end zone. Is illegal. So, like, anyway, that's another show. Those blocks. Yeah, it's almost like a blindside. Yeah. So, yeah, Yeah. and that's and the the problem with that one again, not getting into it. But if you're within the tackle box, like a tackle gets beat, and he turns, maybe he rolls the other way and comes back in just to make a block on a quarterback. But now he's hitting the guy towards his own end zone. I've seen calls, and the Bills got a call like that. Curtis will remember against the the Texans in the playoff game, but. Uh, anything that involves you going back towards your own end zone to make that block is a is a no no now. Right. Well, that they co- anyway they practiced that play all week, and uh, lo and behold, Harrison got the ball, and there was and it was just a, a, a convoy of of humanity going up the field. So it was a it was a great play, memorable play. But um, he was down at the one, I think, right? That one. Was, oh, but yeah. They gave, think, yeah, but they gave him a touchdown. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Oh, he was not. Down. What? What? No. Nah. Okay. No. Oh, that was, <laughs> no. Come on. Speaking of all man, no, that was. Uh... <laughs> Dr. K, who's your favorite athlete? <clears throat> whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, man. Like, I, I mean, my always my go-to in the past, like, if I go, there was, uh, MJ was always, grow, like, growing up was, I was big on MJ. Right now, it's McDavid. Um, Soccer-wise, back in the day, was Zidane. I was never a huge on soccer, but, like, I just love Zizou's game. He's the head guy, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I'll I'll forgive him for that. Um, But, um, yeah, I think if you had to give me one, it would have to to been MJ, for real. Um, Just, like, so much grace and like clutch and uh i love i love the competitiveness like i got like three i got you know three of my kids um one of them is like killer instincts and one of the thing i i always say is you can't teach competitiveness like you know what i mean like it's hard to amp it up yeah oh no no so yeah it's it's actually kind of nice to see i always say um, I thought, MJ, you can actually create a handbook on how to play the game of basketball. Everything from, you know, catching the ball, passing to three-point th- footwork, uh, three-point threat, triple threat, I should call it, sorry. Um, everything, all the fundamentals that are involved in basketball, MJ did perfectly. Yeah, like, and the author of that book was Dean Smith and Phil Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? Phil was... Phil wasn't an X's and O's guy. Oh, Dean Michael's Smith and who's the other guy? In the league. He, well, he, did, he only played two years for Dean Smith. Yeah, Michael but Dean Jordan Smith was, and uh, the assistant coach was the other uh, the other UNC Hall of Famer coach. 
and came right after Dean Smith. In Carolina? Yeah. Whatever. Roy Williams? I had it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's great coaching right, for sure, but you still have to you still have to have the skill. Like, I mean, there's yeah. guys in the NBA who've had, who've had the best coaching in the world who still can't catch and, and not travel with their or do a crossover properly without traveling. So, you know, he, he put to practice what, what he was taught. So anyway, uh, so you're going to go with Jordan. Is that who your favorite athlete is <clears throat> of all time? Of all time, I'm going to have to go MJ. Okay, Brock's, Brock's a LeBron fan, um, and, you know, it's, that's a hard argument, right? LeBron and MJ, that's really the, those are really the two greatest players right now if you were to, if you were to narrow it down, although I, some would argue Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, longevity, all-time leading scorer in history, uh, played through a very difficult period of time, uh, uh, you know, a lot of racial tension in, in his, the prime of his career. So, I don't know. And so who are you going with then, Pat? My my favorite athlete of all the time of yeah. all time. I'm not not, not the best, but my favorite is Magic Johnson. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Just really quickly, who are your favorite teams in the? And in, I'm going to specify league, so because we, we could go on like soccer and tennis and all. But in the NFL, who's your favorite team? Yeah, I um, I'm a Fairweather fan, but if if, I, if you made me. I have two. I'd say the Saints and the Steelers. <laughs> yes. I did not know that, Brock. I didn't set him yeah, up for that. Yeah, right. Woo. I'm not sure I, if he's a uh, <clears throat> Well, if he's a fair weather fan, he's not a Steeler fan right now. No, no, he is now. He's <clears throat> been anointed. Okay. No, I, uh, okay. yeah. Yeah. I hear you, though. <laughs> NBA? NBA, uh, Raptors. Um, growing up, though, was a, like Bulls. Okay. Yeah. Uh, NHL, obviously. Oiler Nation, baby. <laughs> Best oh, unit. yeah. Best unit in the league. Home. Cup is coming home. Uh, how do you feel about them changing to orange? Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll bite. I'll, yeah? I'll, I'll bite. I, I like it. And uh, honestly, they could be wear, wearing like fluorescent pink, turquoise, whatever, as long as they start. My boy Leon and my boy McDiddy start keep doing their thing. <laughs> you can do whatever, whatever they want. You know, what I mean, they can wear up the cutoff, the cutoff jersey. You know, wow. uh, yeah. I'm, yeah. If they're wearing pink, they're McDiddy and Leo or Leon, whatever. <laughs> That's what they call. Them. <laughs> uh, okay, and baseball? Are you a baseball fan at all? Uh, I yeah. So it was the Jays growing up. Um, but like, I, I am not a, a monster fan anymore. Like it's been a, like, even I would say when they had that Donaldson and Bat- Batista run, like I was already kind of out of fanship and definitely I was watching those games, but, um, I, I'm finding baseball, like, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but it, it's, it's a struggle now. And maybe my attention just, just being 2020 and us having, you know everything is fast paced, but the, the the baseball, I find it hard to get through. Like I've I've seen a couple of live games and as I went to see a game in San Francisco, I saw the Brewers play, and um, and uh, yeah, at this stage of my life, I'm not a big fan. But that's Just fair. Saying. I think uh, I find baseball to be uh, I use it for that to relax. 
I don't go to I don't go to a baseball game to because I'm ready to get all amped up like a Red Blacks game. I actually go there to just enjoy the sights and sounds, and if it's a grass field, the smells, <laughs> and uh, it's 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 just a it's a relaxing. I love the game personally. I do have one critique of it is that they just there's too many rolling in of pitchers. Like your starting pitcher could pitch for four innings now, and then it's it's a uh, like. Call to the bullpen. Call to the bullpen. Call to the bullpen, and it takes time. They come in, they warm up. They it's a it's a five minute delay for every uh, pitcher coming in and out, and that just prolongs the game. It adds another half an hour, forty five minutes to an already pretty long game. Um, yeah. So that's my critique. Uh, and there's, I, mean, I also I, like I grew up playing, so like I, I actually, to be honest with you, I I like the game. It's just, and I actually similar to, to football. I love I love the strategy, like the decision to put that lefty yeah. in, or or like uh, you know, you're, you're it's a, a full count and you throw that off speed pitch anyway. Like yes, you know, oh. but it's just it's just it's still a bit too slow for me right now. Like when uh, when you, we got all our other sports. Fair enough. I, you know, and I, that's, I think a lot of people would probably uh, agree with you there and have the same feeling about baseball. But we, we wanted to talk. I mean, we brought you on here because we just we love you, but we also want to talk COVID and sports. That was really what we what we uh, had in mind. And I know Brock has a couple of sound bites that we want to play. But before we do that, I just want to ask you this: the simplest of simple questions when it comes to COVID, like what is it? We know it's a virus, but how does it affect the person? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's good to get some clarity on this, right? Like it's, um, so it's a coronavirus. So it's the same family as 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 the cold, common cold. And what seems to be unique about this is, one, it, there seems to, it's, we think anyway, it seems to be more contagious, um, where this is why we're seeing it go widespread fairly w- rapidly in certain contexts. Um, it, it gets absorbed through your mucous membrane, so your eyes, your nose, your, your your mouth. This is why people talk about face shields. They talk about masks to protect themselves or to um, reduce the risk of of, of getting it. And um, you know, the 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 other tricky thing about this is that we seem to think that at some level you could have no symptoms and still transmit it to others. You know, I think the latest consensus is it's less likely if you're asymptomatic, but sometimes you might be asymptomatic and then develop it later. We call that pre-symptomatic, and then certainly they, we think you you would still be contagious at that point. And then the thing is, you're getting a variety of symptoms based on who you are, like. We initially, we saw some like common cold or flu symptoms. So runny nose, a sore throat, cough, shortness of breath. And even initially though, we even saw some cases where they had diarrhea, like so it was affecting their, their GI tract, which was odd to be honest with you. And the other element that makes this unique is that it, it just had some properties that we didn't see in other viruses. Like we saw more, uh, more clotting diseases, so like strokes, clots in the lungs, clots in the legs, kidney failure, like stuff that we weren't really seeing with like, say, the flu. Um, People were becoming, that were seriously sick, were becoming more confused than uh, typically we would see. Um, So there was some element, there was some uniqueness to this, but um, 
you know, I, I think the the great thing is that been one of the biggest gifts is that, you know, in Canada, we were ready. We, we got we got to unfortunately see what happened to the other parts of the world. And we just we prepped, you know, we had our excellent public health. We give props to Vera and, mm-hmm. and crew like that. And um, and so um, that was a big factor on why we're, you know, becoming more functional as a society. Well, listen, we got uh, I got a soundbite here from uh, uh, you said he's a reliever, right, Pep? Sean Doolittle? Sean, yeah. From the Washington Nationals. I don't know if you heard this or not, but he was addressing the media and uh, his concerns about the return of sports in general. Does like bring to mind kind of where we're at um, in our response to this as a country? Like we're trying to bring baseball back in a in a during a pandemic that's killed 130,000 people. We're way worse off in a, as a country than where we were in March when we shut this thing down. And like, look at where other developed countries are in their response to this. We haven't done any of the things that other countries have done to bring sports back. Sports are like the reward of a functioning society, a, a functional society. And we're just like trying to just bring it back, even though we've taken none of the steps to have it to to flatten the curve, or whatever you want to say. So that one, it goes on a little bit longer, but for me, it really stood out as, you know, the, the view of sports, like we're, we're all, we want sports back. That's true. We want sports back, but he's right where I think the sports should be treated as a reward. If we take the right steps and, and we're a functional society, as he calls it and do the right things, then we can earn sports back. And in Canada, we're doing some of the stuff, but obviously the states are not on board. And when it comes to a sports environment, the states are the the epicenter. So Mm -hmm. you being an expert, like what are your thoughts on, I mean, his comments, but also sports of uh, possibility coming back during this present time? Yeah, it's uh, all great points. And I I mean, I agree with what he's saying. Um, First, I'll, I'll say that I'm just in case people get like really particular. I'm not truly an expert. I'm not an infectious disease. I'm just a ICU doc that has dealt with COVID cases and, and, and is doing my best to keep up with the evidence. But a um, couple of thoughts that I have is, you know, we got to be clear that we're not like Canada is not the same as the States, right? Like we are like the amount of hospitalizations and everything that's happening locally compared to down south is is completely different so i think you know sports and the conversation about sports in canada compared to the states is a, is a different one in my opinion um what he's saying about it being a reward like i mean absolutely like it's it's a bit crazy like they i think the mistake they really made was they opened things up not only did they open things up as an extreme like to go out back to normal life but they opened things up in a lot of places where there was still an upswing in terms of cases. Right. Whereas, you know, a lot of the places in Europe and everything in Australia, there was already that downswing in cases, which is a different story in my opinion. So I think they've approached things in a way that I don't think anybody would truly recommend from a medical point. Having said that, I think with all COVID-related matters, it's up to 
you know, the government, their local authorities, their organization on what their risk tolerance is. Do you know what I mean? So like, yep. you know, if they're willing to accept the fact that there's, they're going to go back, baseball players are probably going to get infected or whatever, knowing the fact also like, and this is just take this with a grain of salt, most baseball players that get infected will do fine, right? Like ultimately, like the ones that really get sick, we, we there are risk factors for that. But, you know, that's still a risk of passing it on to the, their family or to people around and to, to make the virus get worse. So it's all about what's an acceptable risk for them. And so I could speak for myself to say, like, you know, doing it in the height of the pandemic with the cases are going up seems ludicrous. But, you know, there, there's a society that wants to get back to their economy, getting back to normal as soon as we can, because the other part of this like one of the things that we've been talking a lot on the show is the secondary consequences of us locking down. Like right. it, they're dramatic. Like people don't have any, I don't think people fully appreciate how devastating this could be. Like we did a show on child abuse, like the kids helpline needed, to, wanted to double their staff and knowing that kids were at home with their abuser with no out coaches that would normally spot it. Teachers that would normally spot it have no way of, uh, they have, the kids have no out. You know, kids being at home, there's already increasing their mental, like, uh, cases of mental illness and all these kind of things. So, like, there is, there's consequences to being locked down. And, and, and so I think as a society, you weigh what those risks are and you decide what's the best way moving forward. Certainly the U.S. extreme is nothing I would agree with, but it's, in my opinion, it's up to them. Like, if they want to do that, especially if our borders are closed, you guys do your thing. Right. And uh, we're okay over here. That's all. And, yeah, we've heard people and they, they've talked about the uh, the solution possibly be having more of an effect than the actual disease when you talk about secondary effects and that being a concern. Um, but bringing it back again. I can go into, I have a lot of questions that I would, I would pose on a different uh, platform than the, the sports podcast that we're doing. But, um, you know, I know, uh, with sports coming back or the talk of sports coming back and you say it's kind of on their decision, which sport do you think would be the, I guess the most versus the least, uh, affected by COVID. And by that, I mean, like, um, let's say uh, the spread of the disease within a sport environment, the actual play on the field or ice surface or wherever. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, actually. Um, I would, <clears throat> and once again, this is just my opinion based on the stuff that I've seen. Um, I would think like if we're talking team sports, baseball has got to be up there with one of the safer ones because it's outdoors. You don't have to be in close proximity to people as much. Um, I, I really do think there's something to the outdoor p part of COVID, by the way. Like, okay. we saw all those Black Lives Matter rallies. Like, I don't think there's been any clear focus of uh, outbreak related to any of those rallies that were going out. Um, so I truly believe that that really reduces transmission risk. Um, so sports that are outside, I would say. Um, the the thing with it's, – it's hard to really know because, like, COVID is – on paper, it's supposed to be close proximity um, for sustained periods of time. So, you know, even in hockey, if you're, you know, shoulder to shoulder with somebody and it's just for a couple seconds, I don't know if that's a real risk. 
and maybe it is, but I, I actually don't know. Um, I would think maybe basketball, there's a little bit more intimacy there. It's indoors. I would think that would maybe be a little bit more at risk as well. Um, certainly at a more individual level, UFC, I would think for sure, like you, you're, you got some guy that's grappling with you for, you know, two, like a half a round even, you think, you know, that would add up. But certainly to answer your question directly, I think baseball would be probably one of the safer ones off the top of my head. Football, once again, it's outside. It's not sustained um, contact unless you're a lineman. Um, and I would think linemen would be more at risk against sick, to be honest with you, just because of the, you know, the level of obesity and stuff. Um, but um, baseball, I think, off the top of my head, would be the safest. All right. Awesome. Awesome. What, what awesome about that uh, linemen are more susceptible and being overweight is more susceptible because that's not great. <laughs> I got to go to the treadmill real quick. But uh, <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Pep. But can I say this? Can I say, uh, Pep, just before answering this? But one of the things that I think is a crime, and I've, I've alluded to this too about you doing some fitness, <clears throat> there are tons of ways that we, like, if public health said, like, collectively, you know what, let's all get healthier, whether that's your fitness whether that's through intermittent fasting, whether that's through low carb, like there's so many approaches to this that are studied and, and could, could uh, you know, suit whoever it might be. Like if you're more of a fitness guy, you want to get out and maybe that's more your thing. If, more, if you want to be more of a alter your diet, maybe that's another thing. But if I were public health, I'd be throwing down on, on, the, on the fitness side or on the, the health side right now. While there's a lull, let's do this. You know what I'm saying? Like, ugh. oh yeah, <laughs> that's a great oh, yeah. point. I mean, you know, we're ready. We're all ready to rumble on the fitness side of things. Uh, you know, I I don't have a ton of details yet as to how we're going to reopen, but we're all ready to go. And uh, I know the Ottawa Hospital and the, the Good Life in the hospital we're we're going to be delayed significantly uh, in relation to the uh, other big clubs that are going to be opening within the city. There's some logistics behind that, but we're we're ready to rumble. I'm ready to rumble. I. I'm ready to get people back into the gym and, you know, fitness uh, certainly at our club has, has been uh, uh, beneficial, not just physically, but mentally as well with the, the stress relief that you, or that you guys have to deal with all the stress. You come down for 45 minutes. It's a de-stressor, whether you're on a treadmill or doing a circuit or whatever the case is, and you got your tunes on, it's 45 minutes of just de-stress. And a lot of people go right back to work and function the rest of their day. And it's, it's, um, it's a major benefit in that way. So, uh, I'm ready to go. I'm all for it. Public health, if you're listening, you know, if there's a way that we can get this going and get people moving, and uh, uh, I certainly uh, am willing to help. But um, it's a great start. I want to ask you about what about tennis? They've they've the Grand Slams have been postponed. What about tennis? I mean, really, the the only risk is just holding the ball. I mean, you know, and uh, they're never that they're not that close to each other. Tennis has got to be one of the like if you're talking individual sport, that's got to be one of the safest around. I can't see that being high risk at all, and I'm I'm willing to I'm putting my neck out there a bit there, but like at, for the points that you made, it's outside. You never you don't really have to be close to someone. They don't have to give props at the end of the at the end of the match if they don't want yeah. to. They don't have to yeah. shake hands with the official. You know, to just give a brother nod. Um, but like you know, honestly, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> it's a great point. You don't have anybody in the stands, right? You could go match like uh standless um matches um 
Yeah, no, that's a great point. Well, actually, you know, you, it's a great, great segue. Do you see stadiums uh, with fans in 2020? Uh, probably not in 2020. Honestly, no. like, you know, the reason why is that there'll be so much fear of a second wave that they just don't want to um, be the the source of it. Um, it's kind of like. Um, even like you think about locally, what how we're approaching, like our kids. I'm eager for our kids to get back to school, normal. Like one for uh, for their mental health, two because to make sure our, we're functional in society and stuff. Like like we can't have people working from home all all the time. Like not everybody can function that way. Um, but I think people are hedging their bets right now because of the fear of the of a second wave, and so if. I think in 2020, I don't think so. And I think my guess, and this is not based on anything, would be that whatever integration is going to be a slow one. So the outdoor stadiums first, and it's not going to be full. Um, then as you know, things settle, if there's a vaccine or if cases seem to be well controlled, then maybe there'll be a bit of indoor activity. But honestly, the indoor stuff is probably one of the worst ways of spreading the, the virus like if you have a bunch of people uh in close proximity shouting yelling because it's droplet transmission it's like you know um like the little pieces of spit almost is the way i would, I would think about it <laughs> that's <laughs> speaking voice um, yeah but yeah i think we're we're away from that it's gonna be a good the opportunity NFL's- for the nhl to remove those what is it three or four rows they need to remove to then make it the olympic size ice if there's nobody in there anyway, change that. Then we get the the big ice surface that we want. You guys really are sold on uh, the large ice, eh? Yeah, like, uh, I yeah. I, I had you know I went to I went to a couple of Montreal Canadian games this past year, uh, just before the COVID actually, and one in February, one in November, and the game is just like it need. There's just and I, this is live. Usually live, it's ten times more entertaining. And I just we just found it a little a little slow and. Um, it's supposed to be fast, yet it's slower because the guys are coming right by the blue line and just bitch slapping it right to the back of the uh, back of the net, and then they're chasing, and then and then the other team goes the other way and does the exact same thing, and that happens. That goes on for sixty minutes, and you hope that there's a um, multiple deflection goal, unless you're Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby. The goals are like you, you got to screen the goalie. Defensemen can't even touch the guy in front of the net now, otherwise it's a penalty. So it's just. They made rules to make it faster and more entertaining offensively, yet it's backfiring a little bit because the players are so quick and so fast. Is it scoring up, though? Scoring marginally. Up. Marginally. It is. Marginally, but it is. They, they actually implemented a, uh, a rule, was it last season or the season before? Uh, you know, the, the goalie pads have to be a certain, yeah. certain height and certain width, width now. Yeah. I think that's important. Uh, I think they they're were changing also... that maybe again based on relative to the goalie's size because before it was just the pads, but a guy who's 5'11 will wear, can wear the same size pad that the guy who's 6'8. And it's like, well, that's too big for him. Like it should, it's, I think they're working on something that's relative to the actual goalie's size. But I'm anyway. all for that. Yeah, I'm all for that. Now, you talk about uh, the, the close proximity, Dr. K. You know, and I, I think basketball's in real trouble. And you know, I'm I'm concerned about basketball. A lot of their stars are saying I'm out. Mm-hmm. You know, Kevin, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant probably could have made late season pushes to play, and they've both said, "See you, Nets. I'm gone." 
Uh, Ryan Dinwiddie and their their third best player is is on the fence. Uh, we're seeing in baseball, Mike Trout, perennial MVP every year, is uh, has all but said I'm not playing. David Price says I'm out. These are these are big name guys. These aren't just your run of the mill guys. These are the stars of the of the league saying I'm 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 worried about my family. And if you don't, we don't have to look much further than Carl Anthony Towns, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves starting starting center. His COVID. His what? Not about necessarily them getting sick like his other passed away from COVID early. It was early in March, I think. So you know we don't have to look much further than just he's one of the stars of the league. Um, so. Brock and I have been back and forth about, you know, we want sports. We're, we're bored. We're at, we're stuck at home. What a perfect time to watch sports. But on the other hand, is it really even worth it now to have a modified playoff in, in basketball, modified hockey playoff? I don't even know how they're going to structure it. It's, and it's, it's, it's really turned the draft upside down apparently too in Mm -hmm. hockey. Um, Is baseball even worth having a 60 game season from a season that's normally 162 games? the odds of them having another stoppage are pretty high. There's going to be another outbreak somewhere in one of these bubble cities, and they're going to have to stop play again. So why bother? Do you think it's even worth it at this point? Yeah, it's it's such a tough one, man. I've been really back and forth with this too, because I I think, I think the, once again, you differing spots are, are having different risks, like different sports have differing risks. You know, is there measures you could do to make to reduce that risk? And maybe there is, like maybe there is, or maybe we maybe we tell ourselves it's not worth it. I I, I don't know. Like, well, these bubble cities seem to be the what the the, the main measure that they're taking. But bringing yeah. eight teams into a, I think basketball is using Orlando, Florida. You're bringing eight teams there. They're going to be confined to a certain space, I would imagine. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they even all have their own practice court. That is, uh, you know, far far enough away from another team's practice court. Yeah. You know, and I think, I guess the reason I'm struggling with it is because we really have to learn how to live with this thing. Like it's not going away. Um, we we, and if we ask ourselves, what was the initial purpose of all the things that we do? Flatten the curve. Why we flatten the curve? So we don't make. So we make sure our hospitals and and. Uh, Healthcare systems aren't overrun. All right, so you know, luckily in Canada we weren't in a spot where things weren't getting overrun. There's places in the states now that are either close to or this this is happening now. And so if we have that mindset of hey, we got to live with this thing, we got to be human beings again. Then you know, to me, to to be honest with you, if I were king of the world for a day or whatever, if we're going to go ahead with sports, just be malleable. Like if it's clearly that this is not going to work, like we get these outbreaks and, you know, we can start to get some hospitalizations. You got to like shut it down. I don't, yeah. I don't think it's unreasonable to try. Cause like there, we got to learn how to live with this thing, to be honest with you. Cause it's not like we, the vaccine would be the experts are saying like a year and a half away or a year away earliest like I, I really think we have to at some point learn to live with this virus. All right, and on that actual note, with learning to live with this virus, is there? I guess I don't want to say when this is all done because it's not. But let's say a vaccine comes out and this particular virus is handled. 
do you think there is like will it ever go back to the way it was beforehand or are we just kind of in a new world where it's like look these type of viruses these type of um spreads may become more prevalent and we just kind of need to address and sort of tailor our living now to this modified version where it is maybe easier to flatten the curve should the next way or the next virus kind of show its face. That's a, that's such a good question, Brock, because um, it's part of what I'm nervous about because there'll be another, like another bug for sure. Right. Like this, I, I don't know if that's three, four, 10 years away, but like, you know, the people talk about an avian flu coming in the next, in the in the future. Um, so I think this will happen. The question is, you know, how is this really affecting us long term? I, I don't know, but I, I am anxious. Like, am I gonna next time I see you guys? You know, say it was a year from now. Can I give you like, uh, can I give you a hug? Kind of, uh, I, especially like a bear hug. You know what I mean? Uh, and, um, you know, and I, I just like I hope we get, like I hope we could still stay humans and stay yeah. connected. And I think this is my part of my problem with the media, too, has been it's like it's been so fear provoking. Like everything is feardom, feardom, feardom. And, you know, I just with that mindset, with the people getting so divisive, like you, I mean, go on your social media and get people talking about masks right now. I think people will, are stabbing their phones based on the responses. And so, like, I, I do, I am ultimately anxious that we might lose some of that human connection. But um, to answer your question directly, I think some of the stuff that we're doing is going to stay. Mm. Um, like, I think even, I mean, what was good or bad, like aggressive hand washing, social distancing to a certain, when you can, I think it's, that's going to be kind of a new norm, um, but we'll—I mean, we'll see. We—it's a—it's a tough call. Yeah, I, you got I, some I speed think, option stuff coming in, don't you? I, I do. Uh, I'm just looking at my notes here, and they may have—they uh, may have found their way to another document. So. Um, we're, we wanted to end the show. I, I think I remember the questions anyway. But we want to end the show with a few uh, sports quiz questions for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I I do have – I did have five questions. Uh, off the top of my head, I remember four of them. But uh, let me know, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to mention before we uh, sort of end the show with our with our quiz? I, I just want – I mean, maybe I just want to give you guys some love, man. This is I, – I went on CBC telling you guys about how much I enjoyed the show and how much you guys, like, are bringing joy during this tough time, man. I know it's hard to get into the sports because, like, we're missing it. But just, like, the casual approach, the – the the um, and just talking about the stuff that we love. Like, we're a sports town. I'm a sports guy and a lot of my friends are sports guys and just to be able to hear you guys' voice and your takes and it's a nice change of pace and uh, and uh, also the, the chemistry, you know, it's it's great. So I just want to give you guys some love and uh, I meant to when I want to give some, when I mentioned it to, on that interview that uh, this is nice to nice refreshing take, man. Well, hey. I, I don't know I, if I speak for Pep too, but we obviously want to have you back on and 
not only because you you speak so eloquently and have a lot of knowledge and whatnot, but this episode sort of automatically went to your profession and some of the, um, you know, your advice and guidance and takes on the, the COVID situation. And, um, yeah. you know, it, it sort of took a bit of a turn. We didn't really get a chance to really get into sports and, and, and that aspect of it. So I think, again, from our standpoint, we'd love to have you back on where we can then sort of dive into, I'd love to know your take on this $500 million contract from uh, Pat Mahomes. Like what's going to happen to the league with that? Like stuff like that, or the Redskins name, the, you know, the state of the NFL, different yeah. teams, like some, you know, again, uh, I don't want to say a more enjoyable one. Cause that's not what I mean, but like a, just a, a lighter one. Cause we did talk about some pretty, um, you know, serious and life-altering situations that are happening right now in the world, and we appreciate that beyond. But we'd love to have you back in a in a more a lighter setting as well. So keep uh, keep connected for that. Yo, actually, you name it, I'm on it. I'm actually, on you know what? Just just for I I did want to when you brought up the Washington Redskins, I did want to bring that up. Uh, have you heard the list of uh, potential uh, rebranding re names for the uh, Redskins? And do you have yeah. one, uh, your favorite? Uh, I, I know there was, I saw it on the, the score. There was five. There was like the Red Tails or the, there was one with a, like uh, an airplane on it. I forgot the name. That's, red, that's the Red Tail. And it's, uh, it's okay. a, actually, uh, it's an infantry unit that was uh, like an air, they were uh, pilots um, that were all black. Really? Yeah. Back oh, in, I can't remember what war I'd have to do my research, but I thought that was really cool. And considering that, you know, the, the times that we're living in, what a, what a, what a neat transition to a pretty cool name. And the logo looked pretty good too. Well, that's my official answer then. Red tails? Red tails, baby. Yes, I love it. I For love it. the record, I, I found one article that I think has the name. So they had the Washington Warriors, the Washington Senators, uh, Actually, that would be fitting considering the NHL Senators organization ran extremely similar to the Washington Senators one. Anyway, um, the Washington Braves, the Washington Red Hawks, the Washington Federals, the Washington Red Tails. Uh, and I think I saw a write-in for the Washington Rednecks, but I don't think that one was going to go over very well. Um, the pigskins was an option. The, pig, yeah, the pigskins pig was an option as well. Yeah. And that was actually brought up by one of our listeners and uh, my brother. But he brought up the pigskins. And we thought that, <laughs> thought that was all right. Well, it, 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 but it works. It works. For <laughs> <laughs> one, of our, one of our hugest fans. What are we? My mother. <laughs> what? <laughs> hey, my brother. Yeah. <laughs> But you know what? I love the pigskins. Uh, they're, you know, the hogs from the 80s, the offensive line. It works. I like the name. I like the name. Yeah. But uh, I'm going with Red Tails because of this, that backstory, man. Uh, and I yeah. like the logo. I do like the logo. Yeah, the logo sharp is logo. pretty sharp. All right, Dr. K, question one. Now, I got I got five questions for you. I think I remember all five because I had them written down. And I got one in front of you. Miss one. Oh, perfect. Um Question number one. Now, uh, is there a passing grade? I'm going to say 60%. So you, if you get three out of five. I got this. Happy. I got this. Okay. Um, what piece of fruit is on the top of the Wimbledon men's trophy? The tennis Wimbledon trophy. What piece of fruit is at the top? I actually knew this Oh, one. my God. I could picture it, too. 
It look, I want to say it's citrus. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go. Uh, but it's in England, so they can't just do something like normal. It's got to be like they would do something <laughs> like clementine or something. But um, just, just so I don't delay it, because I don't totally remember, I'm just going to say orange. It's a pineapple. Oh, so, of course. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no big deal. Okay, no yeah, deal. yeah. No big deal. That was just a warm-up. Okay. okay. Although it counts. Number two. I'm going to get that 60%. Don't worry. <laughs> Number two. Who holds... Uh, well, actually, we know who holds the all-time assist record for uh, for hockey. It's Wayne Gretzky. Mm-hmm. But who is number two? And this one surprised me, actually. But who is number two on that list? Adam Oates. That, uh, great, great answer. Guess. Great answer. It's actually Ron Francis. And that oh. threw, yeah, that threw me off. I because Ronnie played for a long time. I forgot how and he played for the Whalers, he played for uh, the Penguins, he went back to Carolina and took them. Actually won a cup, I think, there. Yeah, Ron Francis and Mark Messier is number three. So you can you imagine the two two Oilers out of out of the top three were from that era that you saw that I mean that's incredible. That also helps our justification for the fact that it was just easy to score back then. Yeah. <laughs> it the was the easier to score. <laughs> what a juggernaut. Okay, question number three. Uh, Kobe Bryant was traded on draft day. He wasn't drafted by the Lakers. So who was he drafted by and who was he traded for? Oh, man, I just saw this on... I, I feel like I saw it on TSN um, on whatever sports... Oh, my God. Pierre does not give any layups, just for FYI. When he's like, I got a few okay. questions for you, Clearly. does not give okay. any layups. I'm just, because I'm not 100% sure, I'm just going to go with McClure uh, and Sacramento. But I don't know. Well, close, close. He was drafted by the Charlotte Hornets, and he was traded for Vladi Divac. What? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, so the Lakers yeah, knew they were bringing in. I didn't know that. The Lakers knew they were bringing in Shaq from Orlando, so they had, didn't have a need for Vladdy anymore. So, uh, if in hindsight, I'm sure Charlotte is Charlotte has just been Charlotte has a history of just poor decisions. And actually, as good as uh, as good a player as Michael Jordan was, he's equally as awful a, a GM and a, and a player manager. He's made some god awful decisions out there in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. So, yeah. Um, okay, so where are we at? Three. For the record, sixty percent was not fair whatsoever. If you got one out of five, I would have given you props. So you're still in the game. You're still in the game. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna accept the loss here, but that just means (laughs) next time I come on, I'm gonna be even more. Bring the heat. Yeah, Yeah. bring the heat. Um, Studying tomorrow. Who is the oldest football player to ever play? Uh, Gary Anderson. Uh, is it Gary Anderson? Mort Anderson? Mort Anderson? One of the, the kickers? Kicker, left foot. I'm going to say Mort Anderson. You know what? Uh, oh, wait, wait. I, currently, all the oldest players in the NFL are kickers. Like right now, it's Adam Vinatieri. But like you're saying ever, right? All time, yeah. Active players, you're right. It's Adam Vinatieri, assuming he comes back. Otherwise, I think it's an, it's Phil Dawson for the uh, for the Cardinals, another kicker. Oh, but, really? Uh, Okay, I didn't but know that. All time. All time? I'll give you a clue because it's a toughie. It would have been in uh, between the 
fifties. Played for the Chicago Bears. Actually, played for a lot of teams, but you'd know him from the Bears. The Bears. Uh, then I Bears. for sure don't. Then I for sure don't know this one because it's not. I mean, that era. The only one that, that comes to mind is Ditka, and he wasn't that old when he. When uh, I think even he's past the fifties. So I legit don't know. It's George Blanda. He was a quarterback and a kicker. And he played for the Bears and the Raiders and a few other teams. So he's Oilers. I think he ended his career with the Raiders. But I'm a toughie. The person that knows the answer to that question. I want to know that person. <laughs> That's pretty They're great. My hero. We'll, yeah. inter- we'll introduce you to Matt Potvang because I feel like he would have known because he's a big Bear- Bears fan, historian. Yeah. He probably would have known that. And he would have said, like, well, he was a quarterback and a kicker, but he mostly did kicking at the end or something. Um, yeah, I had no idea who that was. Either. Well, let me throw in a let me throw in a bonus question here. Which uh, which teams have the most Super Bowls in the NFL? So we got uh, Pats at six. Yeah, we got uh, the Steelers at yeah six. Yeah. Uh, Give it the horn, Brock. Oh, I'm on the wrong one. I got gotcha. you. No. Those uh, are right. You oh, forgot one question, too, Pep. How much further is that? Do I have to go further? That's it. There's two teams okay. with yep. uh, with six with six Super Bowls. All right. Yeah. The, the Steelers and Brady both with six. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Brock, do you have any questions for uh, any quiz well, questions? The last one that you missed uh, was who holds the record for the all-time home runs in baseball? Oh, I forgot that one. Yes. Well, it's 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 well. Yeah. It was Barry just a season, or was he the all time? No. Well, Barry for sure had the season that seventy, whatever seventy something, and then all time. I think it was Barry too, and if it wasn't Barry, <laughs> yeah. I'll just do it before you talk yourself out of it. Yeah, yes. yeah, because it was he's an asterisk. Yeah, Hank Barry Aaron and Babe Ruth. Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, and Alex Gonzalez are next on the Alex list. Gonzalez. I wouldn't yeah. Wow. You know, this whole steroid era, I get it. But, I mean, people forget uh, in, in his prime, Alex Gonzalez was a, was a, the best player in baseball for a few years. But my question, I, I mean, I know this is not what we've been talking about. But, like, was there any clean players in that era, in your opinion? I mean, if Rafael Palmeiro was taking taking steroids, then it's hard to say if there if there was or wasn't because he's. I mean, he looked like your average, you know, uh, beer league guy playing first base, but he was uh, he was uh, in, um, implemented in that whole case. So oh, yeah. nothing, nothing average about that mustache. There's nothing average. Rafi about that Rafi Palmeiro. Oh. that's a that's a Hall of Fame mustache. Yeah, that, but that was a gre- that was greasy. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, that's like. Uncle Lewis, like it's not, it's not right. You know, we got to have an all greasy baseball team in the top ten. <laughs> who, who are the, the oh. greasiest look? Greasiest oh, look at Randy Johnson. Randy oh. Johnson's got to be in there. Cruck, uh, John Cruck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for John sure. John Cruck is in there for sure. Actually, oh, most wow. of the Phillies from the '92 '93 <laughs> team would, would probably be there. Lenny Dykstra. Uh, there's a few oh, reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good. One. Even Kurt Schilling, maybe because I know his personality, he didn't. He was a bit dodgy looking too. Yeah. Who was the Jays third baseman? 
uh, historic third baseman. He tagged Deion Sanders Gruber. on the uh, Kelly Gruber. 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 Yeah, he was greasy looking. Yeah. Oh really? I thought he had a nice flow. Oh, it was yeah. flow, but it was <laughs> that flow was sinister. I love. I like this flow, and he's Jeff, he was a gamer too. He was Jack Kent. He was a gamer. Yeah. Anyway. All right, man. Yeah. You want to wrap it up, Pep? Well, listen. Uh, it's been a pleasure. It's been uh, informative. Amazing. I know, like Brock said, you know, we we kind of went on the uh, we we took a turn for uh, for the science and we want to get you back and actually talk sports next time uh because you obviously know your your stuff and uh we do want to know i do want to know your uh, your uh, opinion on patrick mahomes and there's going to be as sports uh, approaches uh restart i think it's going to be really interesting to get your point of view on how it looks but uh let's have you back on can we sort of agree that you'll come back on our show and uh, and talk about the topic of the day 100 percent, 100 percent. by the okay. way i don't like, I don't know that term by that Mahomes uh, contract, but I saw him play live. The kid is amazing. Yeah. He truly is, like, a ta- like, I actually think he's a generational talent. I don't, I don't know, what was it, 10 years? 10 years, which is always tricky. I think that no one's disputing no, no, the money. It's because- 10 on top of the fact that it's an, a 10 extension. So he's got 12 left on his contract. At, at $500 million. Uh, yeah, so if you think he was good on the field when you saw him, wait till he's actually all five offensive linemen, the quarterback, and his scoring receiver <laughs> and running back on the field at the same time. That's going to be very impressive. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what—that's the one thing with that contract. But that's something that we want to talk to you about, and we'll yeah. we'll see how this. We'll see if any other players get the, this kind of money in the next couple of weeks because he it could set a precedent, like you know. Uh, the guy from uh, the Lamar Jackson might be up for some big yeah. cash if that's the case. So we'll see what happens. And if you they know? don't get fans back, there is not going to be enough money to pay these salaries anyway. But that's a discussion for another time. We're going out to yeah. your song. You chose this called Run the Jewels. But, hey, man, oh. we appreciate no, no, you. No, no. It's called it's called Goonies versus E.T. Is that what it's called? What's Run the yeah, Jewels? Run the Jewels. Oh, by, I, run, I run the Jewels. Middle-aged middle-aged rappers okay and they throw down hard <laughs> it's actually I, it's, it. I can't wait to pump this in the truck if i make another wish i'll wish for a wish for you for you hey one two e you heard of these lads the myth how we made a grip never go dick truly the cadillac i had to contract l's on a quick stick them up slick talking no tricks Funniest shit. Finally, the money up and print on the kid and the planet hit skits. Living in a valley of flames like I win. Skyline of plays and a bomb rock pick. You don't want to acknowledge the wrong. Give a shit, never nine. You can talk to me far when I'm gone. Bad news, band along with big claws. Trying to hold a whole lives in his paws and applaud. Swear to God damn, the whole city odd. Make a bull man's heart. We got scars for hearts. Shit for eyes, baby. Living in a one chance lot. So I stick to the heart. Oh my God, I'm old for men. Cash back. Running through bed zone. Hope it don't crash. Tennis all motherfucker. Bring it up fast. Be alone. I'm a home and I can and then dash. Fuck y'all got another planet on stash. Far from the fact that the flames are trash. That is not so. It is ash. You gotta know the past. Gotta rap. It's a love gone mad. But I promise. Baby, if I had another chance, I would give another chance to you.